You are listening to music industry marketing, the perfect podcast for learning about the industry, social media advice, and much, much more. My name is Mad Lewan, and I'm an artist manager and journalist. I'm also a fan of chicken nuggets. I sit down with influencers and musicians to talk about their careers and how they achieve success. If you love this episode, share with your friends or leave a review on iTunes. Whether you're in the car, walking the door, or just chilling at home, I hope you enjoy the show. First of all, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it a lot. Um, so, for the people who don't know who you are, just say a little bit about you and what you've been up to. Well, my name's Brandy Peters. Online, I'm kind of known as Brandy Growth Hacker Peters, which is kind of a title that I've been deemed with. So <laughs> I appreciate, I appreciate that because it kind of sets me apart from the term marketer. Yeah. Um, social media marketer. Definitely. <laughs> the way people feel about those right now, it's not great. There's a lot of misconceptions about what that is, and it seems to be like a self-deemed title. Yeah. Either don't really go to school to become good at social media or you can but i don't think the information they teach you is the same as being in the trenches you gotta have the experience of practicality yeah definitely so um, what i do as a growth hacker is actually i strategize and experiment so i think i'm a little bit different because i'm in the trenches with the creators and the artists, I guess, in this in this case. Um, I try new ways to grow social media followings and then I document that and I share it with other people. Yep, nice. That's pretty awesome. I don't really believe in that whole theoretical teaching of social media. I'm more do as I do, not as I say. So I document as much as I can and then I sell those resources and people can hire me for consulting. And that's kind of how I make my living these days. That's Absolutely awesome. So obviously you're very fortunate to be able to make a living from social media. Um, yeah. Many... Actually... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no problem. Keep Continue. No, I've been doing this since 2012. Um, I'm working online anyway. I started my first business. It was an online business. I was doing content writing. Mm-hmm. So content writing for websites. I plugged myself as a blogger for hire and... The reason that I do social media strategy now is because I became so good at selling my content writing services that people started to come to me and be like, can you teach me to do what you do? And that's where my next business, so what I started doing in 2016, 2017, um, grew is I was doing it. People were like, teach me to do what you do. (laughs) And so that's when the career change happened, if it is a career. I don't really think of myself as having a career, but I guess I do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so many people became really frustrated due to the algorithm changes that Facebook implemented, uh, myself included. Like, obviously having loads of organic reach and then for it to suddenly drop, it's a little bit annoying. I guess it's understandable from Facebook's point of view. Um, how did you personally feel about that? All right. So a lot of people go poo-poo on the algorithm. Mm-hmm. 
there for getting that Facebook's a business. Of course. The majority of Facebook's income comes from advertising. Yes. And the reason why this is so important to keep in mind is because Facebook's goal then is to keep people on Facebook. So it's attention. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. I, I always talk about it from the perspective of some people are marketers and some people are creators. And being in the shoes of a creator, you're way better off because you're then producing the content that Facebook's going to put ads on versus being an advertiser. Mm. And the algorithm shift, so the algorithm shift is not as bad as people think. People are saying pages are dead, um, that it's you know a waste of time if you're not putting ads behind things. But the thing about the algorithm is it shows people the content that they're most likely to interact with. It's one of the most sophisticated algorithms in the world. So it knows more about us than we know about ourselves. It tracks your behaviors. It tracks your network. It tracks your interests. So it's showing people the content they most likely want to see. And the drop in reach, the drop in reach is a consequence of people not getting engagement, like likes and comments and interactions on their content. content wasn't as good and so Facebook wasn't pushing it to as many people, I assume. Exactly. So what you really want to do is think of the algorithm as keeping a beach ball in the air. When you're posting on Facebook, if you get likes and engagement, you want to ride that momentum. Yeah. Thing you post is going to get more interaction from those same people so you really have to be consistent and if it is an ad make it an ad so if there's any potential of you making any sort of income off of it facebook is assuming you have the budget to push that so they're going to ding you with that algorithm but if it's content and this is where for artists put yourself in the position of a content creator then you're giving facebook what it wants which is material to show people with interest in what you're posting does that make sense? Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. I think it's quite interesting, certainly for the people listening to it, to this podcast even, of why their content engagement suddenly dropped. And that's certainly a very good reason. Um, obviously, you're very good at uh, Facebook marketing, Facebook advertising, etc., etc. Uh, loads of people within the music industry... They tend to only use social media to push their new music. So, for example, a Spotify link or, hey, check out my new mix or check out my new song, whatever. And essentially, they just shove links down their audience's throat. In your opinion, what's the best balance for branding versus promotional content on social media? Okay, so across the map, whether you're an artist or musician, or you're a business owner, that is the most common mistake. Mm. And look at it this way. If you have a friend who only shows up when they want something, Mm. right? And you think, oh, here they are again. They need to borrow five bucks. They need to borrow gas money. Um, It's not very inviting, and I don't think you'll be friends with that person very long. Mm. So from an algorithm perspective, based on what we just talked about, that doesn't work. Off-site links are expected to have ad budget behind them because you're driving traffic off of Facebook to something of your own. So the algorithm is algorithm, excuse me, (laughs) going to kick your ass. Uh, But it also won't work just from a user, like logistical perspective. When you're pushing something, the push actually comes before the product launch. Mm. So if you have a new, you know, single coming out and you have something that you want to promote, 
the best time to promote it is before it's ready to go. And you want to build momentum mm. because the content itself is the story of creating that. So if you're like, I don't know content, what is content? Like content is telling a story. It's showing people behind the scenes. It's getting them excited because you are excited. That's it's building content. a story around your personal brand, your music brand, whatever, essentially. Exactly. You don't want to be that dude who just shows up, you know, I need to borrow five bucks. You want to make it seem like you're really excited and you're sharing something with other people because you think they're going to be excited for you. And all of that engagement is going to pay off because if we know anything about the algorithms, it's that if people are interacting on the content beforehand, you're going to have to put less budget behind the mm. actual promotion. You're going to get organic reach because you've put the work in getting people excited, getting those comments and interactions, all of those things factor in when that product drops and your organic reach, plus just the natural excitement, enthusiasm of people who have say followed this for either a year or a couple of weeks and they've been as excited about it as you are. It just makes sense. Mm. I totally agree. Um, little question of my own. If you're getting a lot of engagement on your page, will Facebook lower the CPM cost per thousand cost or does it stay the same no matter what? So it depends if you're going to your existing audience okay. or a new audience. Okay. So you can build custom audiences in your ads manager, which I don't want to overwhelm anybody with <laughs> nerd speak on that. But on a very simplistic level, you can actually boost content to people who are on an existing email list or who have recently engaged with your content. And that's going to cost you less because you're giving Facebook the exact audience. Mm. So if you upload your whole email list and turn that into a custom audience, or if you just switch to the setting of people who recently engaged with my post within this many days, then yes, your cost per conversion is going to go down. Yeah. If you're going to a cold audience, people who have never heard of you before, Facebook is going to charge you more. Cold audiences are the most expensive to target, so you have to get your targeting spot on. That's what costs the most because they have to go find that audience for you and you have to compete for that audience with other people using similar targets. Mm. Gotcha. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, so let's go to Instagram for a second. Let's just step away from Facebook for the moment. Could you give three tips that somebody could use to grow their Instagram following today? Well, I'm really excited because this morning I just hit my 10K. And well that's done. The, Congratulations. Uh, the landmark on, on Instagram. But... Uh, and I'm not boasting or anything because I only put an actual effort into Instagram this last year mm-hmm. and I didn't get the swipe up. This is going to sound just for people who aren't into social media market is going to sound so ridiculous. But when they announced that you could swipe up in your stories, if you had 10 K mm-hmm. uh, to a link to load a link. Well, for me, that's incredibly valuable because I can direct people to my other content. So exactly. That's very- sat down to hustle on Instagram and I actually built this in under a year, 10 K organic, no ads. Um, so I kind of know a few things and here's what I've learned in that process that I found most interesting. A lot of people are trying to follow those patterns or trying to make their Instagram themed. 
and not themed as in like, oh, you have a niche, like this is a music Instagram or an artist's Instagram, but themed in the sense that it's following a color scheme or following a grid. And that actually, although it is an art in itself, is not the best way to grow. I wanted to have that beautiful Instagram that you see the Instagram models. I wanted to have that for the longest time. And I'm like, they must put a hell of a lot of work into getting this. But when I started to post spontaneously and I started to just kind of show people my day-to-day life and it kept it on topic in the sense I talk about my life as I have two kids, I'm an online entrepreneur, um, everybody wants that kind of freedom lifestyle while technically I've had that for six years. I've been working online full-time making my income, so I talk about that. So that's the niche, but really I just post when I want to post with what's going on in my life, where we're at, my dog, my kids, and I get like hundreds of followers from that. And people are like, why is that interesting? Well, it's connective, right? It's like, oh, she's just like me. Um, My following, I would say, are mostly other aspiring mom entrepreneurs like myself or people who are into the things that I'm into. I like punk music. Um, I like music festivals. So that's gotten in there. Um, I'm not your conventional like mommy blogger. So (laughs) a tribe of people that are like me who are like, yeah, we're not that we're not that but um, it's really posting when you want to post in your real life. And it's so simple. And you don't have to follow those patterns or make it look beautiful. Gotcha. The other thing about Instagram, and this is what a lot of people are missing, is this very specific rule, and I'm going to share it right now, and it's going to change people's lives. I'm telling you, if you're trying to master this platform, engage on more content than you yourself are posting. Right. That's the real secret. You need to engage with more stuff than you actually post. Would you recommend engaging with uh, accounts which have large followings or fairly small? So I'm going to talk about that. I have a strategy I call follower fishing. And for musicians and artists, this one works really well. Mm-hmm. Find someone in the mainstream that your music sounds similar to, that your work is similar to. Someone big, with a big following. So like Calvin Harris, Skrillex, Diplo, whoever. Totally, yeah. And then basically creep the comments and the likes and follow their followers. Now... The trick to that is when someone who is a stranger follows you, what's the first thing you do? The first thing you do is go, who the heck is this person? And Mm. you go look at their profile, right? So you want to make sure your profile is then very clear who you are and makes you look attainable, like, you know, somebody you would want to interact with. So you've got pictures of your life, not just your music, not just promoting yourself, but like a real person's Instagram who happens to be an artist, who happens to have samples of their songs because you are now targeting a targeted audience. You're going gotcha. in there, they like them. I know if they just checked me out, they're gonna like me too. Mm. And then to go next level on that, you're gonna be different than say Skrillex. You're gonna interact back with people who follow you back. So you're gonna go onto their profiles and you're gonna give them some love. And what that does is it instantly builds a more personable connection. Yeah they're going to follow you back long term. And if you're building momentum behind your career and you're building, you know, a 
following for yourself for the purpose of marketing your music because you want to reach the next level, whatever that looks like for you, mm. is a good time investment because you are targeting people. You don't have to pay for this. If you're sitting on the toilet or you're having a coffee, if you're not doing this to build your following and to get your music in front of people for free, you're crazy. Like this is for musicians and artists. This is the creme de la creme. This is yeah. the script. You want a big following on Instagram? That's what you need to do. Awesome. That's actually pretty interesting. Like, there's loads of strategies I've heard of. Some work, some don't. And that one seems to be pretty effective. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The follow for follow or the follow back um, or follow unfollow strategy doesn't work. Mm. What works is strategic following, meaning you know there's a collection of people out there who would like you if just only they knew about you, and you design your profile and your content to appeal to them, so there's your branding, and then you go out and you find them because you know they exist on those large Instagrams. And it's logical and it's strategic versus just, I'm just going to just follow whoever's on my radar and get all of these random accounts who are trying to do the same thing as I am. Don't it's got to have a method behind the madness is how I would describe it. And don't <laughs> unfollow them just to have that cool factor. This is an Instagram myth that if you have more people who follow you than you're following, that makes you better somehow. Like people think this in their head, but at first the ratios are going to be off. And then as time goes on, when your account picks up momentum... You build a lot more momentum and it'll just grow. Exactly. So don't be afraid of being like, oh, like I only have 3,000 followers, but I'm following 5,000 people. If you understand the strategy here and you understand the method behind this, stick with it. Because those Mm. ratios, they balance out and then they, they go. And Instagram has an algorithm as well. And the algorithm is the same in a lot of ways as Facebook, where Instagram is showing people the content that they're most likely to interact with, within their network, within their most recent behaviors. So if you want your post shown to people and new people to discover you, you want to make sure you have that interaction. So large numbers of comments on your posts, a number of likes that is significant there before you post something new. For a while there, I'd say, okay, I'm not posting anything new till I get 250 likes on this post. And that was my meter. Okay, 250, now I post something new. Um, Because all of my energy was being invested in going out and finding new people um, and having conversations with them on their Instagram and making sure they're going to stick too. Because you don't want that follower number going up and down. I want good people who vaguely know what I'm about and who are going to interact with me on a regular basis to keep those numbers high. Obviously, these strategies are pretty good. They can be pretty effective. But how long should someone spend doing them? All right. So here's the thing. I'm currently spending about two hours a day on my Instagram. But that's pretty low impact effort. So it's basically like commenting back with people, following new people, that kind of thing. Um, I would suggest... And when I coach on this, this is what I suggest is minimum one hour a day. If you're really serious about growing that following, Mm. you put that hour in a day within a year, you'll probably hit the 10 K mark. It's having the consistency and the commitment to it. Mm. 
where a lot of people get stuck with Instagram is when they don't get interaction, so they don't have anybody to interact with. They're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. Well, that's <laughs> now you have the strategy which you need to be focusing your time on, and it's a multitask kind of activity. Like if you're watching Netflix, if you're sitting on the toilet, you're drinking your coffee, like whatever you're doing, try to fit this in in spurts in your day. I always say, if you want it bad enough, you'll do it. And yeah. if you see the potential here, like it's a low hanging fruit. Um, so yeah, I know it seems like a lot of time, but the people who want it bad enough will do it. And that's what weeds out those who don't. Everybody wants followers, but it's it's a chore. And when you see people with those accounts and it's engaged and it's organic, they're not purchased followers, but they've actually put the work in, it, it takes time. It's like having a blog. It's like having a whole other little side hustle. Um, but in the end, it does convert. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my case, my Instagram, 210K strategy plan, um, sticking with this for a year, grew my email list to 1,200 people. So 10K converted to 1,200 email subscribers. That's pretty um, good. For businesses that follow this strategy, I've seen them make tremendous increases in their sales without having to run ads. For an artist, I could imagine that this is going to drive tons of traffic to their SoundCloud. If they have Bandcamp, SoundCloud, um, or if they're just selling on iTunes even, wherever your content is, that's the link and profile that you want to promote. Mm. But make sure you convert on this effort. You're putting the time in. Make sure that you can say, hey, link and profile to buy my music. Make that in your bio. Really, like, optimize it so you can actually convert your time into well, usually businesses it's revenue, but in this case, into music sales, but an increase in your audience numbers and downloads of your music to get your music out there. Gotcha. Um, so you're pretty good with social media growth hacking, as I've said. The primary demographic for this podcast is producers and vocalists, um, people like that. So let's create a scenario in which they're releasing a new song on Spotify. What are some good tips to promote that track using Facebook ads? So using Facebook ads? So, like I said, if it is an ad, make it an ad. But before that, you can help yourself out by telling the story of that product. So Mm. whatever it is, uh, it doesn't really matter what the end product is. It's building momentum behind it with engagement posts because that's going to lower your cost per conversion like we talked about before. But when you actually dive into the strategy of your Facebook ad targeting, Facebook is, again, low-hanging fruit because if you know what your music sounds like, so if you know who it's inspired by, and we're thinking about mainstream artists always, so they're going to have a significant following Mm -hmm. on social media. So we're not talking like indie, like sleeper musicians and artists. We're thinking okay, this is what it sounds similar to to in the mainstream. Well, you can target that as a target audience. And so when you drop that song to go and you want to run an ad on it, run it to people. Sometimes if it's a popular enough song, you can actually even target the song name. People who like such and such song. People who like such and such artist. And you want to make sure you're matching it up properly. So if it sounds like something, make sure you're matching it up to that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use an example. It's easier for me to use an example. I recently grew a Facebook page for an artist, and uh, her vocals really sound kind of like Adele or Demi Lovato or kind of like Lord. She does like acoustic 
covers of those artists yeah. as well as surround originals. The ad we ran, which grew for page 3,000 audience members, so followers, and is now converting into actual like traction onto her SoundCloud, which is where she has her music, um, was a cover of a Demi Lovato song ran to an audience of people who like Demi Lovato. Like, it's a no-brainer when mm. you understand like how to use these ads effectively, but also how to identify these strategic target audiences. And I think it's really cool too, is because you can write in that ad copy, like, do you like this artist? Check me out, or here's my new cover of this song. Now, in her case, she had a cover, but you can do the same thing with originals. You can go, do you love this and this artist or this type of music? Click here for this new song by yeah. up and coming. And you kind of, you know, pitch yourself, basically. If you like this, you'll like me. It's really strategic and smart, and you'll be amazed by the results, and it doesn't cost a lot. Like, Facebook ads are so affordable for artists. I know they don't want to spend money doing this because they're like, I want organic. I want to be discovered. There's no <laughs> such thing. There's no such thing as being discovered because you either have to put the energy in to show up in front of people yep. or you're going to put the energy in with time currency. So this is just a shortcut to what you want. Definitely. That's def- really interesting, actually, to hear that. It's not as complicated as people think to grow a following, to grow traction on their Facebook page. Um, So alternatively, a producer or a record label might want to promote some merchandise, so t-shirts, caps, that type of thing. Um, For the sake of examples, let's just say it's hosted on a Shopify store. What would be a good way to go about using social media to drive traffic to the merchandise and ultimately drive sales? Okay, so why does someone buy a t-shirt with an artist's name on it or support a certain brand? It's because of the connection they have to that. Yeah. So there's a two-part strategy that you would use in this case. The first one would be you want to make sure that you are collecting an audience on that page that is going to be interested in the music that this product is attached to. So if it's merch, you want to build enthusiasm behind the actual music, not the the merge brand but mm. when you have that when you have that collected audience so they're interacting on every you know video you put up and every you know link you drop you can then sell them merch and you can target people who like that page because you know already they're an engaged audience or again talking about that custom audience of people who recently interacted with so i would do a two-part strategy where for instance you drop a video maybe a music video and then sell a complimentary, say, T-shirt that you target towards people who recently watched that music video. So retargeting. Pardon? Retargeting. Exactly. You want to make sure that you're using these strategies in pair to each other and you're building those custom audiences. So if you can do, like, for instance, a target audience you can do that's pretty nifty is somebody who watched 25% of a video. Mm-hmm. That's a custom audience right there in your Facebook ads manager. So you can run a t-shirt for a band or artist or whoever to someone who watched 25% of a video within the last 10 days, say. Now, because they watched a significant amount of that, you can assume, okay, they didn't bounce off. They were into it. Mm. Uh, You can also track your pixels. So if they went to your website, 
you have a pixel in there, if they've recently been on your website, that becomes a custom audience. So, hey, like, you were on my website recently. Now Facebook's going to show you ads for this merch for my, you know. Uh, that's how you want to make these two things work together because you can't have one without the other. You can't just plop a T-shirt up to a random artist or even just a random brand name with no context mm-hmm. and expect someone to act on that. You have to build to it, and that's how you do that. That's how you play these two together. So ultimately, first you storytell, you create a connection with the audience member, and then you retarget people who engage with that content with your promotional content. You've got it, Matt. No, that's exactly what you need to do. Awesome. That's great to hear. So I think that'll definitely help a lot of people listening to this, and I'm sure that some of them will go and take action. So this is a question that I ask at every single at the end of every single interview I do. If the world was to end tomorrow, what would you want future generations to remember you by? Well, I have this this saying, and I'm always like, play with your life. Um, I think with my experience being someone who's been doing this since 2012, been starting little online businesses and growing them and selling myself using social media. And that's one thing I've landed on is play with your life. Like within like, you know, if there's no legal consequences, if what you're doing isn't illegal, you're not limited in any way. And I want people to remember me and like future generations to take that away. And like, we have all of these ideas that restrict us from really like living hashtag best life, right? Yeah. (laughs) We are restricted by our beliefs only. And if nobody's going to come to your door and punish you for something, like, it's not going to happen. Like, we we live in fear of these things. And um, if it's not going to happen and it's not illegal, then just play with your life. Just do it. Try it. Like, don't waste your time. Um, You're only going to get older and uglier and more tired and things are going to get harder. (laughs) So, like, I mean, I think I'm speaking to, like, anybody who's this, you know, in-between generation, millennial, it's really cliche right now yeah people are getting it right because it's not about acquiring materialistic things or you know fulfilling your own ego it's just about like this is this is the time you get so mm-hmm. play with it if you fuck up it's, it's it's not a big deal if you're not gonna die nobody died mm-hmm. um go for it and i want i don't know like my legacy to be that and so people are like yeah she had a good time <laughs> <laughs> She had a good time. She tried some things, you know. That's what I wanted to be about. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate your time a lot for coming to talk to me. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. Um, I really, I'm a huge music fan myself. Mm. Um, Maybe it's listening at Shambhala Music Festival. Yeah, Salmon Arm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I actually did media there two years. Nice totally dropped the ball on when I did it so I kind of shouldn't even plug that but honestly <laughs> like it feels good for me to help artists and musicians who are pursuing their passion because that's what I do I'm pursuing my passions and I can really connect with people like totally. that They're kind of my people totally and if I can give anybody a leg up in that area so that they can like live their dream then I'll feel good about myself so this was a really good opportunity for me too That's awesome. That's great to hear, honestly. Thank you for coming on, and I shall talk to you soon. Thanks, Matt.